crack open a cold box of wine or pour something cold on ice because it's the Binge Watchers Podcast. From the Deep was the last movie right. that Dave and I watched in person together, I think. But then I we tried so, to watch yeah. a couple things, and there was this thing called Rabbit, but that was before they started doing like group watch on Disney Plus and like party on Netflix. Like, uh, Rabbit was like, log into your accounts and all your friends can come in and watch it. And oh, um, yeah. we, we tried to Rabbit a couple times. We tried to Rabbit, um, I think, Groundhog's Day. It didn't quite work. And then we tried to for Predator 2. And it kind of screwed up the sound on Predator 2, you know? We, we tried to throw a commentary episode together, and it kind of blew out the stereo oh. on us. So, oh. you know, hey, listen, learn, folks. Don't use this app named Rabbit. Yeah. Um, I don't even think it exists sponsored anymore. Now, but. Yeah, it's, it's, it's gone, just like... Uh, I think it's what's that, what's that vertical TV app that just disappeared? QB? Um, yeah, QB's gone. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. billion-dollar experiment. I hope the Reno 911 guys got some real cash out of that deal. Because they had the best show did. going on there. Yeah. Sure, I hope so. <laughs> Let's see here. All right, we're going to start talking about feel-good movies. So for the audience that's following along at home, uh, Collins, I think it's Collins Dictionary or Dictionary.com defines a feel-good movie as a film which presents people and life in a way that makes the people who watch it feel happy and optimistic. But before we talk about gung-ho, let's go to home video headlines and see what we heard about movies and TV. Um, actually, I mean, probably the biggest headline is Sean Connery died. I mean, dude lived in 90. I mean, that's got to be a pretty fulfilled life. I that's mean, pretty good life, man. Yeah, yeah, pretty good life. Starting in a ton of movies. One of the greatest actors of all time. Considered a man's man. Basically, generally got the respect of every other man on the planet. So, and, but James while Wall. also being nice to women, I don't think there's a bad story of the dude. There's no Me Too Sean Connery stories out there, as far as I know. Actually, um, yes. just, really? Yes. There is. You know what's funny about this? Like, if you're listening to audio, you can't see the expression on Dave's face that I just created. But if you're watching the video version, then then you're gonna kick out of that one. Um, (laughs) We're just gonna go around the room and uh, talk about like our our favorite Sean Connery uh, movies. Let's uh, let's start with Nick. You got a couple that you you like from dear old Sir Sean Connery. I have two, but I'll just go with Hunt for Red October. I that was like freaking incredible, and he's so good in that movie. And it's a, it's a great movie. I watched it like a year ago. It still holds up. What movie? Hunt for Red October. Oh yeah, okay. That's like my least like favorite. Ah, movie. <laughs> come on. I'm uh, I, like I think I said that too when I, <laughs> I was talking about watching being obsessed with all these some sum, submarine dramas, and uh, that one uh, like disappointed me. You know, I, a lot I, of hype. Did, you know the. Sometimes get so famous, there's like a lot of hype, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, like, um, Dave, didn't you recently watch Scarface? No, no, that no, was on I your list of watched, like I getting think Chinatown, which is what you gave me crap. Oh, I remember. Chinatown. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Dave has a few golden oldies that he's got to get to, and and uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Uh, all right, so Dave, what's one of your favorite Sean Connery movies? 
Or a few. Um, I mean, it could be more than one. It doesn't have to be one. It could be whatever. I'm going to give you two, and they're both from 96. And these, uh, I mean, these are kind of obvious, but, like, these two I saw, I think, at the drive-in when I was uh, that age, it came out. Uh, but Dragonheart and The Rock, like, those hold a special place for me because, I mean, those came out in the same summer. Like Wait, I said, I saw them at the drive-in. Yeah, he's yeah. Draco. What's that? Oh, I totally forgot about yeah. that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, and, and that goes to show how good of an actor he was because it was just a voice performance. But, like, damn, if you're not welling up at the end of that movie, I'm just saying, <laughs> like, uh, yeah. music kicks in. And you're like, oh, God, it's a dragon. But no. <laughs> so Is yeah, it a feel-good, too? Would you... it, it is. It, Dragonheart? Yeah. Yeah, it's redeemable. The it's, series. Yeah. it's redemptive, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. it can be considered a feel-good movie for sure. Um, Adam, we're over to you. You got a few Sean Connery movies that you like? Yeah, um, when I was younger, I read this, like, uh, Rudyard Kipling story, uh, The Man Who Would Be King or whatever. It's about these two, like, British guys that end up, you know, trying to take over a small country, being, like, evil little statists, and they, like, subjugate the people, and it's, like, it's a commentary on British imperialism, and uh, Sean Connery was in the movie version of it, 1975, with Michael Caine. It's kind of a you know, strange pick, but it's worth a watch. It's it's very peculiar. It's a very interesting film. Um, and the other one is uh, Time Bandits, a Terry Gilliam early oh. Terry Gilliam movie. King Agamemnon. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of people don't realize Sean Connery's even in that movie, and it's so mm. like whoa. And he plays this you know generous king that takes the boy under his wing, and a vital role in that movie. And it was probably as a child, probably the first time I saw Sean Connery not in a 007 movie. So, those, oh, yeah. those are my oh, yeah. picks. Yeah, I kind of said I'll second Adam's uh, "Man Who Would Be King." I almost picked that myself, but that's like a really good underseen movie of his. Yeah, he's in a lot of James Bond movies. Like he's like the number one guy that played James Bond besides um, what's his name, Roger Moore. Moore? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, but he, he's also his last James Bond movie was he said he would never do it again, and his wife came up with the title "Never Say Never Again." Was literally the last <laughs> James Bond that he was in. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it kind of leads itself to a little bit of comedy, right? Um, yeah. Here, I mean, here's my list. Also Dragonheart. I love love Dragonheart. But I also have League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, where he, he plays um, yeah. Alan Quartermain, the hunt, the skilled That's hunter fantastic. who has to lead, like, all the monsters and go after like all the baddies and that. And they tried to make that, that was like, his an last movie, right? movie series yeah. yeah it was one of his last yeah, big was, ones yeah he he hated um, the production of that by the way <laughs> no he well, did he, 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 but he did good i mean he he, he yeah. said like he doesn't understand like superhero movies like he was offered they offered him to play like maybe i don't know who it was aragorn or yeah, or yeah, gandalf. gandalf somebody gandalf yeah, maybe gandalf. like in lord of the rings yeah. and he's like his own his quote is like i don't understand this <laughs> he passed I, know. But, I mean but the poor guy got dementia so who knows what happened first dementia or passing on that movie um yeah. but uh i also like him in okay I mean, this is like definitely a flight of fancy, and you got to suspend your disbelief because he's not a Spaniard, and it's hard to believe he's a Spaniard. But his name was Ramirez. He still had a Scottish accent in the Highlander series. He's the mentor of the main immortal. He teaches, <laughs> yeah. uh, um, you know, he teaches Connor. I think it's Connor McLeod his first, and then Duncan comes. Yeah, so. teaches Connor McLeod how to be an immortal, and um, and then battles the Kurgan in the original. But then he gets brought back in the second one with a little bit of magic, time travel, whatever you want to say it is but anyway um and last but not least i think this is the one he won the academy award for is untouchable right he plays an irish yeah. beat cop who gets uh, 
assigned to like the first branch of the FBI or whatever it is, and they're like going after um, Capone, right, in Chicago or whatever, and teaches the guys the Chicago way. Um, Chicago. Yeah, but we're not talking about. Well, we're not spending the whole night talking about Sean Connery movies. Um, well, we could. Again, <laughs> we could, yeah. well, we could. We, it could be an episode, yeah. There definitely could be a retrospective. But tonight's movie is Gung Ho from 1986. It's a Ron Howard movie. Last year, Dave and I actually did a pretty decent run of Ron Howard stuff. Where we talked about Willow. We did mention um, Backdraft. We did talk about a little bit about Gung Ho. It's, it's a, definitely a feel-good movie pick for me, and that's why I threw it out for today's episode. Being up to bat with the selections, that's just something that came down to the wire, and it's like, let's do this movie. Um, it's also called Working Class Man, like in the UK and Australia, as it gets released. But essentially, an American auto worker who was like a foreman at a closed plant spends his own money to go to Japan and convince a Japanese automobile company to go and reopen the plant in his hometown. He's convinced his whole, his, his whole town that it's a good idea because they're all rooting for him to do it. And it's, of course, played by Michael Keaton, the guy who can deliver false promises like no other person in, in the history of comedic acting. Especially in that <laughs> you know time, I mean? yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> at like, the top of his game, he flies off to Japan to convince this auto company, and they, they buy into his BS because they go and reopen the factory on the promise that, like, you make a certain amount of cars, we'll keep the factory open. If they don't, no raise, no union, we close the plant forever, blah, blah, blah. And then it's like a class of cultures. You bring in the Japanese executives. They have their own thing. And, like, we see that right like right in the beginning of the movie, the differences. And uh, But what's funny about this movie is business schools, um, economics classes, and uh, Toyota training uses this as, uh, basically, they say, like, this is how not to manage Americans. That's Toyota, Toyota plays this to their executives, right? This I, movie. I read that. And then, yeah. yeah, and then business schools over here will also watch this movie and examine it. But um, some interesting trivia is, like, the factory is realistic. They were actually building Fiats, two types of Fiats, the Regatta and the Spazio in Argentina. So they spent like a number of weeks down at a real auto plant that had been closed and they reopened it for the movie. Um, supposedly, the screenwriter Edward Bloom was watching 60 Minutes about, you know, uh, Asian companies coming in and buying out American companies or, or American companies that were in the dumps, like revitalizing them with foreign money. And But then it was like, there's another screenwriter. I've never even heard of this lady. Her name is... Um, Diane Asimov-Simon put out, like, a, a counterclaim saying, oh, no, that's my story. Like, Ed Bloom didn't come up with this story or whatever. But we get a great movie either way. I don't know what the conflict is with, with who actually came up with the story, but we're going to end up with a really good movie. And Ged Watanobe, who is a Japanese-American from Ogden, Utah, of all places. I didn't know he was from, from Utah. He's also in, like, a couple of the teen movies from the 80s, right? It's like um, uh, Pretty in Pink. No, no. Uh, uh, 16 Candles. 16 Candles, yeah. yeah. He, there you go. Yeah. Um, so he's well known from that. And I didn't know he grew up in Utah, but he does. And uh, you obviously get um, the supporting cast is mixed with some comedians and some people you might know, like George Went, you might recognize from Cheers. Uh, Rick Overton is a comedian, but he's also in here. Uh, Mimi Rogers. John Turturro. Yeah, John Turturro running yeah. out, running out the very friends. young yeah. John Turturro. Yeah, um, very young. Yeah. The guy, the guy that I like also is the little guy, the little short pudgy guy whose wife, who's who wanted to leave work to go because his wife was in labor. Oh, I love movie. that guy. Yeah. His, his name is Ito. Uh, the character's name is Ito, and he's like dancing towards the end. But his yeah. name is Rodney, uh, Rodney Kijiyama, and he's actually from San Francisco. So what's funny is they were able to get like you know, like you talk about casting and like people like um, not casting the right people, but this is a good group of like Japanese American actors that have some talent. And also, like, comedic actors at the time that were kind of, like, coming into their own. 
Like, I think at that time, I, that at that time, like, Michael Keaton had only stopped doing, like, stand-up comedy maybe for a couple of years. Because he started out, mm-hmm. you guys know this, Keaton started out in, like, like stand-up. Oh, uh, yeah. And, and everything uh, he's he actually, was comedy. Yeah. So they just did a Comedy Store documentary. He's actually in there. He do, does a huge interview with Mike Mike Binder. That just oh, came out. Oh, does? Oh, that yeah. gets me excited to oh, see nice. it now. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, I think that's all the major cast. Um, well, the guy playing Sato, who's like a sadistic little jerk, the the nephew of the main executive, like the guy who owns yeah. the company, right? Who wants to take over? Oh, yeah. Um, um, you know, get wants to know his character's job. His name he, he his name is Sato or whatever. Um, that's it. I mean, I, I think I described the movie well enough. Essentially, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, American Auto Plant down on its dumps. They want to reopen it. This guy has the main character makes a lot of promises, like a good salesman, and he's got to convince the Japanese executives to work with them, and they got to try to work with them. And him and the other, him and Ke- uh, Ged Watanabe's characters are kind of in a bad situation. You, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like they got to, they have a a hard road ahead of them. But that's that's why like they're relatable to each other, um, convincing like both sets of workers to to pull together. But let's go to first impressions. I know I'm kind of overselling this movie because I like this movie a lot. So I like it, I want to try to convince it, the audience great. to yeah. watch it at least once. Um, let's go to first impressions. Let's jump over to Nick. What's your first impressions of uh, Gung Ho? I got two things. One, it was this is Ron Howard, right? If yeah. I'm not mistaken. Yeah, mm. it was neat. I mean, I loved his '80s movies. He was such a great. It, you forget how many good movies this guy made in the '80s, you know. And also Michael Keane. I just he, he the movie. Just he steals the show in this thing and just his performance. And I just forgot what a great, like almost comical actor he was. But still, mm. he was about to go to like a different level. That's fine. Okay, cool. I was like, I was just if you had like a last one. I'm like, all right. Uh, I don't know if there's anything glitching. Yeah. Or not. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, that was exactly. dramatic. It was suspenseful for a second. It was okay. like, oh, what uh, happened? It was like, uh, no, the internet died. Dave, do you got a dangerous first impression for us on this one? Uh, I don't know if it's dangerous, but uh, uh. I have a, a first, second impression because I think I saw this movie like one time when I was a kid. So I don't know, figure like five. Uh, and I have one memory, which will come up later of the movie. But so I kind of watched it with fresh eyes. Great movie. I, this movie is so fun. Um, and it breathes a lot, you know, kind of moves along fast. Uh, Michael Keaton has a lot of charisma, all the secondary characters. Um, you know, this also has, uh, you know, the second care, secondary characters actually have third dimensions to them. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. they're not, they don't just feel like just shoving them in there for a plot point. Um, I don't know. The the characters felt lived in. I, I really liked this movie. I had a fun time with it. I felt good. <laughs> yeah, there you yes, go. Feel good. Uh, I, I think you probably took uh, Adam's first impression there. Yeah. <laughs> it made me feel appreciative of, you know, having a job. Like, you know, maybe you want more people to have jobs and taking pride in your work. Mm-hmm. And, and, and forging relationships with people um, in the workplace. I, it, it made you feel so good emanating from like this this supposed fiction, but I don't know. The whole thing felt real. Like we were watching these people's lives. You know, I don't feel like anything was overacted or anything. So that's you know, I felt good. Slice of life from Double A. Yeah. Um, yeah. My first impression, if I think back, I've seen this movie now a handful of times. Maybe. Eh. More than three, but less than seven. Somewhere in between five or six times. Um, 
But I think about my first impression was just it had a good cast and it had a good story. That that's what keeps bringing me back is the cast and the story. And I think ultimately, like the cast may do well in another movie and that with that same amount of chemistry if if they're put in the right scenario. You know what I mean? It is almost a situation a comedy, trip, but on a, a bigger scenario. scale. Yeah. 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 Um, but that's it. Great cast. If I had a simple first impression, I would just be the people that are in the movie. Um, wow. Okay, so we'll be right back after these messages. Tonight we're actually sponsored by Mac Weldon, which is a, a clothing company. They are trying to establish some kind of new normal for everyone that's out there, and they want to bring you casual buttons up and jeans and knit polos. They got you covered with the unmatched comfort and fit. Um, my experience with Mac Weldon is I ordered these super, super, super comfortable socks that come in these little packages here, and... Mm. They have a great title for their underwear, 18-hour jerseys. I don't know if you can actually wear them for 18 hours. I don't recommend that, but they are pretty damn comfortable. So if you're looking for quality stuff at reasonable prices, and, uh, you know, I'm a working-class guy, but when you put these on, you feel like a million bucks if that's your thing. Um, so they got socks, shirts, hoodies, underwear, polos. Um, they promise comfort and a consistent fit. So far, I've been pretty damn comfortable. Um, they look great. They feel great for everyday life. They got a wide range of custom fabrics. They actually have a loyalty program. You have to look into that. It's called Weldon Blue. They guarantee you're going to be comfortable. For 20% off your first order, you can go to MacWeldon.com slash BingeWatchers. Enter promo code BingeWatchers. That's MacWeldon.com slash BingeWatchers. Promo code BingeWatchers for 20% off. MacWeldon, who's reinventing men's basics. And um, and that's it for these messages because all you get, guys, is, is 30 seconds. You don't get any more. That's the, that's the way it works around here. <laughs> Trying to have a show. Trying to run a show. Can, right. can we Sorry, see the folks. underwear? You want to see the underwear? Yeah, right. yeah. There's been a request to see these uh, eight, 18 hours. <laughs> and, and John, can you describe them? Very sexy, though. Yeah, uh, yeah if, you're, if you're listening at home, if you're only on yeah. the audio journey with us, describe. the audio adventure, classic way to listen is not to watch, but just to listen. I'll, I'll describe them. So, I don't know. It's kind of a uh, somber blue-gray, maybe a navy blue here. Uh, we got some nice uh, pinstriping. Nice on the uh, the trim here, and like um, it's not breezy. They are very, they are tight. They do they do hug the boys, but you know you feel <laughs> comforted in, in in knowing that your boys are taken care of. So the boys so are I would suggest cowards. get twenty percent off that yeah. Mac Weldon. And wow. uh, now we're discussing it's, a movie. I guess as you pulled my movie notes back nice. up. Yeah, they look nice. Yeah, Nick, you missed the boat on the Mac Weldon. You missed it by like <laughs> yes, days. I, I did. Like, I had a lot of work that week. I don't know. Forget what it. <laughs> <laughs> Adam, Adam got some Mac Weldon, I think. I know. That's what they're I heard. They're in the mail. Oh, they're still in the mail. Just like your gummies. I mean, they were probably in the mail never showing up. Right <laughs> Folks, if you don't know, I just recalled the story from a couple episodes ago. I don't know if you know of our relationship with the Sunday Scaries, which is a vitamin company, which you can also get if you go to our website under our special offers. You can look up our vitamin deal. But Adam's been waiting for a bag to show up forever. I don't know if it's ever going to happen. I finished well, around like two months ago. Yeah, I'm still checking uh, the mailbox uh, as often as possible. I just have to be out, okay. out of town right now, but I'm sure they're not in there. I'm just <laughs> now I'm that I've shut off some underwear, sure did, did a crappy recall bit for themselves. Um, no, see, I'm about that. I think you know what you know what's going to be hard about the next category, guys, is picking your favorite bits from a movie that's full of like great scenes, and and oh, potentially yeah. almost every scene is a favorite bit for somebody. Um, Nick, yeah. do you have a favorite bit or two from this movie? I like, I'm just giving you the gist, but I like the, I don't want to ruin this, but the end 
when they deliver all the cars and then the cars are not perfect? Well, you can just say the ending is well earned. You know, like it's an <laughs> and no, it is earned. well earned. But you know what I mean. You, I thought it was just it was really good, but you know, like the cars aren't like perfectly put together. <laughs> but they delivered, sure. you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they had a big order. I mean, they're like give us fifteen thousand cars yeah. by the end of the yeah. month. And I Pretty like that order. I like that, like Michael Keane and all the guys. They all work together as a team. And there's so many yeah. bosses I've had that like they just stand in the corner and then they blame you when shit goes wrong. And you're like, no, I like that he was working his ass off. I, th- I thought that was beautiful. It made you feel good, as this is saying. Yeah, when the Japanese executives were down there on the same line and everybody comes together, it was really an emotional swelling point for me. Like, I'm I'm not going to lie. I cried at the end. Like, I was oh. so happy. It's a great movie. <laughs> it's it, a really it was a great movie. Cry, like... though. It wasn't like, oh, I'm so sad. No, no I was like no, crying like, like yeah. there's yeah. good in the world and like people can come together and overcome their differences and it, it made me feel really good on the inside yeah. and so you're what a great call <laughs> this movie yeah. was, it did everything yeah. it was supposed to do so uh, <laughs> audience adam's actually crying right now if you can't see <laughs> the video <laughs> all right the, the, mo- the, the most sentimental thing that gets me yeah. is when his friend gets in trouble when george went character buster gets in trouble and he, yeah. he's literally handing him a broom saying you can't quit your job dude you're like you got two kids you can't quit your job like yeah like yeah you're about to face like maybe the the, the most embarrassing thing in a, a job environment that you've ever faced but like i mean being a dad like literally like the first thing you do when you wake up is eat shit like that's your breakfast eating shit <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. like yeah. like so, so, so like that's a pretty like uh they, and they did such a great job in that scene i don't know how they got both actors to that level but like them giving it to each other in that scene michael keaton and george went that's like that, you can show that scene in acting class or something, or directing class. Like, just study this five minutes right here. Look at the business he's bringing. Look at the business he's bringing. And all they had was a fucking broom. <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? Like, right. It's it's great. I stuff. really love George Wentz's determination. He he was really in that moment in that scene. Mm. Like, I don't know. You weren't. I wasn't thinking about watching the movie. I, I mean. Mm-hmm. I was, I was watching it on my computer and I was lost in it. That's crazy. Yeah. Like there's a whole world going on around you and George is definitely walking. <laughs> you know, well, I think that's where uh, Ron Howard's strength as a director comes in because he yeah. was an actor for, cause honestly this movie isn't a flashy mm. movie. Like we can talk about how great this movie is, but like but it's well nothing bad. about the look of it stands out to me, but it's the acting yeah. and the characters and all that. Yeah. That's, cause it's kind of a drab looking movie when you really think about it. It's very like Brown. <laughs> you know? It's yeah. not dressed it's, up. Uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's pretty flat. It's not yeah. flashy. Yeah. yeah, the most dynamic shots are obviously mean, like the factory the equipment in this one. Yeah, there's a look on George Wynn's face in that movie where they're all in the hospital and the guys getting taken care of, and they just found out that like, uh, you know, he's he lied, and and they they cut oh. to George Wynn's look on his face. Oh my gosh! Did I believe that look? Okay, so we got to put a little, we got to put a little more story in to explain the set the explain the uh, yeah picture. So so essentially, there's a false promise made to the American workers by their leader, the Michael Keaton character, and he says, by the end of the month, we got to turn in thirteen thousand cars. We get a partial raise. When the real deal is, hit that fifteen thousand mark, you get your full raise, and we'll talk about bringing in your union benefits and. Uh, that's another critical scene that I'm talking about. Like when they realize that like they've been working towards a goal that doesn't exist. 
is pretty, and they've been been betrayed by somebody that they've known for like twenty years. So that that's another big a big moment, um, which falls into our favorite bit. That's for sure. But I don't know if we're stopping over anybody else's favorite bits. So let's, Dave, let's get into yours in case we might have uh, walked on them, but you know. I I, uh, I think I I think Nick might be saying the same thing. I'm thinking I'm gonna go spoiler yeah. alert for a 35 year old movie. Um, but like the very the last kind of joke joke of the movie. Like, uh, Michael Keaton's so pissed off at the guy, he says, you know, hey, no, I'm taking this car, uh, here's my old car, I'm driving this one off the line, <laughs> and yeah. turns, turns over, he's wow. like, alright, I'm in the clear, five feet, and the tires fall yes. off, he falls yes. back. Bumper it's falls a great off. slapstick moment in a movie, like, you kind of needed that joke right before everything else happens. <laughs> yes. Wow. Uh, so funny. Like well, my right heart, that, that, he, that like, moment I watched as a, a kid. Like I remember yeah. that one moment. But me too. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. right my, before that, he he like pretended to wax a fake windshield that wasn't there. Right. right. He, he yeah. pretended that the windshield <laughs> yeah, was yeah. attached like to it. the car. And he's he was like, trying to finish like the last five cars of the fifteen thousand or whatever. You know. Um, but my that's funny. You stopped. stole my spoiler thunder. Look at that, Dave. You took a spoiler uh, from Johnny Spoilers. <laughs> like that's hilarious. <laughs> Uh, I, and I don't have any spoilers. Like, here, my, I'm gonna go to my favorite bits now. The river, the river, the river thing. They had a, a ritual where they were bathing in the river all the time. The Japanese mm-hmm. executives, yeah. and then at one point, Michael Keaton joins them. Uh, anybody baseball fans? Am I the only baseball fan? I, I'm like riveted by the American versus the Japanese executives. There's a baseball scene, right? There's a company baseball okay, scene, scene. <laughs> which sets up the conflict between the one executive and the George Wendt character, which sets off that whole thing with the broom, like we were talking about. Um, the bar lots scene. Of slow-mo. Oh, what's a slow mo? Oh, no, the lots of slow mo and the baseball stuff. They did some fancy stuff for uh, you know, the, they, oh, the oh. sports movie Slowing stuff got incorporated down. in that yeah, little yeah. segment. Yeah, yeah, it was an action movie for about three seconds or, or ten. Seconds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Finally, something looked uh, like, oh, that looked kind of cool. <laughs> um. Futurama. We had great montages, like let's work together montages, which <laughs> again. The movie oh, starts um, out yeah, with a great of, montage. Like, so, I mean, He's we know it's a heartfelt... In Japan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He go, he spends, like... They spent a considerable amount in Japan, actually, um, taking Michael Keaton. They were really in Japan. You know, like, they didn't oh, fake wow. it. They didn't soundstage it. They sent the actors to Japan, which is really... Uh, another unique thing that a movie does. Like, when a movie yeah. does real things, it's just always so much better. Right? You can, I mean, you like, can always tell. Yeah, you can tell. You can, even, you can tell. The pressure's CGI, on, too. Mm-hmm. What the pressure's on? The pressure's on. You you spend the budget. You got them all the way there. Like, all right, do your thing. I mean, <laughs> it's <laughs> real then. Yeah. Run around with the. I don't know. The whole J- J- Japan scene was really interesting. Uh, who knows where they filmed that? Uh, maybe that was also in Japan. Uh, I'm thinking it was probably here because it was inside. But uh, you're talking uh, about the boardroom scene. Yeah. Yeah, that, and, that's actually. I mean, that's that's another great bit because like it predates Google, like turning on and off everything by like thirty years, and him freaking out <laughs> every time. Oh yeah, yeah the, the lights got like lights down, the lights yeah. up. Yeah, there's a computer yeah, voice, voice commands are, are triggering yeah. everything, and they're all they're already setting the stage for like in cinema for the Japanese to be ahead of us on every, on everything. <laughs> well, I don't know. It's it's kind of intriguing. Because and they were thinking about that at the time, right? With Walkmans and all this stuff, you know, things they didn't have. Clap on, clap off. Yeah, <laughs> uh, well, yeah my. Uh, can I talk about my favorite scene? Or are we moving on? What are we doing? 
yeah, okay. yeah. I, I, okay. I, thought, I thought your guys kind of were weaving in and out of them, but yeah. Now yeah, we're yeah. at Double A. His official, his official the, favorite. Double A is the official, official favorite scene yeah. is the fall from grace of our beloved main character when Michael Keaton's on the stage. And Ooh, and uh, he tells them, he's them excitedly that. telling them yeah. the deal that he has made for like he's they're gonna beat the Japanese uh, record or whatever they're gonna make fifteen thousand cars, and and one month which is probably a huge ramp up you don't really know all the numbers in in the movie but then uh, the discussion amongst the guys like hey like that's impossible like you know like you didn't you didn't weren't you advocating for us and then he's he feels the pressure and then they start coming up with numbers and he's like agreeing with it and like because it's easy to do that under the pressure instead of be saying no guys we got to hit 15 and we can and i told him you could he doesn't go all the, he he has a lapse in uh in confidence and uh that lapse in confidence leads to a moral compromise and then it creates the snowball and he's like yeah but don't, don't think about that number pretend i didn't he's trying to minimize the lie that he just told you know because mm. all he did was really agree with them and he shouldn't have done that. And the reason I like, I love that part of the movie is just because it's like the turnkey moment for setting up so much other stuff. And I think everyone has been put in a position like that before. And sometimes you just have to man up and be like, no, <laughs> you know, 13. Mm -hmm. No, I did advocate for you guys. It's 15 and you can, but for whatever reason, mm -hmm. there's like little moral failing. And then we got yeah. lots of drama out of it. <laughs> <laughs> and for a writer, I mean, that's cool too. It's perfect, yeah. Yeah. Well, th there was a good segue earlier because we were talking about heartfelt moments, but another heartfelt moment or another heartfelt thing that happened this week was we got a fan letter or an email. And uh, I guess this guy's been tuning in for a while. He's never communicated with us before. Sent us an email about a movie he'd like us to cover in the future. And uh, his name's actually Nick, but it's not our Nick, it's another Nick. Um, I'm not going to read his last name. You know, I'll be. I'll leave it out. Um, basically, I'm just going to read it. I'm going to read it for the whole audience because I think it's pretty Let's unique. Um, so here we go. Hi, guys. My name's Nick, and a while back, I stumbled across a movie I never heard of. It completely blew me away, and so I've been desperately trying to convince everyone across movie fandom to give it a shot and hopefully drag, out, drag it out of complete obscurity. The movie's called The Beast of War, a.k.a. The Beast from 88, directed by Kevin Reynolds, starring George Zamunda, Jason Patrick, and Stephen Bauer. It's only been released in two screens across the whole of the U.S. by Columbia Pictures. And I kid you not when I say it's the best Hollywood film you've never heard of. Quentin Tarantino's old writing partner, George, uh, Roger Avery, has it down as the best movie of 88 on Letterboxd. That's an app. That's where people, like, um, this is not part of his letter. I'm just explaining what Letterboxd is for anybody who doesn't know. It's an app where you can, like, rank the movies that you've seen. Mm -hmm. um, just kind of a fanboy thing. And, and then now back to this letter. So he says... Also, it's been given a rating of 7.3 on IMDb, 3.5 on Letterboxd, but not a single critic's review on Rotten Tomatoes, but it does have an audience score of 84%. A couple of podcasts have reviewed it, and favorably, they've called it War Horse versus War Machine on the uh, something like the Retro Movie Geeks podcast. I'm not familiar with those guys. The latter on the basis of, of my recommendation is, I continue to pester Criterion to do something to save this movie, from continual obscurity, but I can no longer get anything back from them. Oh well. Please seek this film out. It's available on DVD and streaming, so it won't be difficult to track down. If you do see it, let me know if you agree with me that it might be one of the best 10 American movies of the 1980s. One way or another, we need to find a way to raise this movie's profile and prevent it from continual obscurity once and for all. And then he asks us to check out the trailer, and he sent us a link. 
dude, thanks, Nick, for writing in. We love to hear from yeah. the audience. This is your entire section. It's called Questions from Out There. Anything from the audience, you can email us um, at host at bwpodcast.com. We'd love to hear your stories. We want to know what you're watching so we then can watch them along with you and hear your opinions about the stuff that we're watching every week. Um, so this is, a, this is a movie about a Russian tank commander mental breakdown as they get separated from a, their like main squadron or whatever in like a Middle East conflict. I think it's... Do you remember that Tom Hanks did a movie where he was helping like Afghan rebels fight? Um, he was Tom like playing Hanks? a politician. Oh, oh, yeah, uh, Tom oh, Hanks. Yeah. yeah, Tom Wilson's War or whatever it is. Where, so he plays a politician who was like a real Democrat from Texas or something who went to Afghan and he was like helping them, the rebels, fight like uh, Russians in the 80s. I think this story, The Beast, it's like the other side. This is the Russians dealing with the Afghan conflict from their perspective, but this tank unit is separated from the rest of their, their army or unit or whatever, and they're having a bunch of internal conflicts. It kind of reminds me of, like, The Fury. You know that tank movie with Brad Pitt? Yeah. The World War II movie? But this obviously this obviously came out first. Jason Patrick, he's a great actor. He plays a guy that's, like, is, like, losing his moral compass because shit gets more and more crazy. I don't know if you guys have ever. I, I mean, the beast. I've I've never heard of it until this letter, but I'm watching the trailer yeah. right now in silent, and the visuals look incredible. And I like the director. I so say, I, yeah. I Robin Hood. I'm, I'm in, totally uh, down. I also said Men in Tights. <laughs> I mean, it's not. It's it may have been more timely in the '80s because that was when that direct conflict was going on. I think like yeah. today. I mean, this is definitely not the month to watch this movie because we're not we're not doing it's movies of conflict. We're like, out. as Adam said earlier, we're trying to do movies where that are bringing people together. <laughs> Then people feel yeah. better about like the w- w- way things are, and um, it would be hard to but watch this movie now because you're revisiting like an old conflict. So like some things maybe shouldn't be rediscovered. I mean, we'll give it a fair shot. If this guy says it's supposedly one of the best movies of the '80s, we'll investigate. We'll go and see yeah. what the deal is. I remember yeah. stocking this on the shelf a lot when I worked at a video store. I always remember seeing it when he said Jason Patrick. I'm like, oh, I remember that cover. <laughs> I have a weird mind for that. Even if I haven't seen a movie, I can remember the cover because I used to stock them all the time at the video store. It, it looks pretty good. I, I'm down to check it out. Adam, what do you think about Nick sending us in his letter and, and introducing us to this movie? Uh, well, we'll see if it uh, pans out as a good good film. Um, I'm on a feel-good kick. I don't know if I'm going to feel good. <laughs> you don't think this movie will get feel-good? <laughs> I don't know. If I don't feel good, I'm going to be like, mm-mm. If it makes you feel good, wow. you might need to go see a psychologist. So, so maybe maybe December or January. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. He, he said, I mean, what did he say in here? He said it's one of the best movies of the... Of eighty-eight, uh, he said. Yeah, but kinds of best movies. Is it Some, better than Die Hard? Come on. Sometimes, like, there's better than Academy Award winning. Feel there. like crap at the end. <laughs> We're on the feel-good kick, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> you guys. <laughs> which brings us to which brings us to. Find a lost feel-good movie. I don't well, know. Maybe it is. I don't you know, know, one day, like, we're going to fall apart and not have time to prepare anything. Like, we're not going to have notes. We're not going to have a movie that we watch. And, like, this next segment is going to be the thing that saves the entire episode. What is slowly becoming our personal favorite section, because it's always a surprise. We don't know what each other are watching every week unless we text each other in the middle of the night. Hey, I just watched this. 
and that kind of shit. Um, this is <laughs> if it's yeah, in the yeah. middle of the yeah. night, we're saying he 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 he. I'm assuming Dave. it's on Pornhub or something. Dave, that's Dave, that's James how in my mind, Dave, in my mind, I'm watching Tee. But here's the thing, in my mind, that's how Dave sends every single text message. That's what I hear when he sends his messages to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially when he's talking about anime that he loves. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I push him too hard, he's going to bring up the movie that dare not speak its name. So, okay. Um, What else are the binge watchers watching? Let's shoot over to Nick. Nick, what did you watch this week? Oh, guys, I watched one of our boys that was on the podcast uh, a while ago. I watched one of his classic 90s movies, Ski School. You guys remember Ski School? Dude, I know you were going to Dean Cameron. (laughs) You didn't even have to say his name. (laughs) Good, man. It's like ski, awesome ski scene, party, bunch of prank stuff like Revenge of the Nerds, and then random softcore sex scene. And then repeat, repeat, repeat. It's great. I love it. And Dean Cameron is amazing in this. And so is his uh, partner, I think, Stuart Frecken. I'm just quoting Nikki Lates for the uh, episode notes here. Random softcore sex. (laughs) <laughs> ski scene, ski scene, prank. Ski scene, ski scene, yeah, yeah. Ski, ski, everywhere. Ski scene. Yeah. Yeah. Ski scene. Yes. Ski scene. <laughs> Dude, guys, uh, watch Ski School. I'm telling you, it, it, it holds up great. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's fun. Dave, what are you watching? Um, I'm uh I actually watched a new new movie. Uh, I paid twenty five bucks to watch the craft legacy, and Ooh. I actually really liked it, surprisingly. Ooh. Um, I was ready to hate it because I love the first one. Uh, it doesn't. It's. I will say this much: it's maybe a remake for the first fifteen minutes, and then it does its own thing. Um, so I, I really liked it. I've seen it get beat up by uh, people online. I say, if you like the original, don't hesitate. It's worth it. I thought so. Hmm. Hmm. That was like a non. You didn't tell us anything about the movie. Well, you, I mean, that's you, pretty good. You didn't spoil the, it. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I watched yeah. Nothing Burger. Well, it's also such a new movie. Like, I don't want to go too much into it and spoil something for somebody. It's not like a thirty-five-year-old movie. Is it uh, as okay. good as the first one? Um, time will tell on that. But I, I was surprising. I surprisingly did ordered, liked did you hear a lot. They ordered a number three. They've already ordered a part three. Did you know that? I hope they kind of do because it is yeah. called Legacy and it does tie into the first. It's more of a. Sidequel? I mean, I guess it is a sequel. Do because any characters from the first movie come to this one? Yes. At the very, uh, very... Okay, I'm just trying to figure out And that. there's your spoiler. I mean, and, and I'm sorry, like, Don, Don kind of figured it out when we were talking about it, and I won't spoil uh, it for yeah. people. because it's, it's not in the trailer or anything? No, no. Well, dude, come I mean, on. It's another it group Farouk of girls. Is? Yeah, well, it's you You can assume that the main character is the daughter of one of the witches from the I'm assuming movie, so, yeah. Right? Yeah, oh, yeah. that's the tie-in. Um, um, and, and like I said, it, it was nice because um, they, you know, it doesn't fall beat for beat. Like maybe for 15 minutes, like I said, beat for beat, and then it's its own thing. So it doesn't fall into the same tropes as the first movie after a while. Um, hmm. You know, I'm not a teenage girl anymore, so I don't know if this is true to their experience, but, but I enjoyed it. One at one point, you said any more. Yeah, he's, fully, <laughs> he's gone through the whole, pro- he's fully, he's gone through his You're whole right? thing. He's, what do they call that? I don't know. You've been transformed. He's, uh, he's already done. He's done. I guess so. Um, his name didn't used to be David, but you know we've been friends. He'll be on the VH1 special. Don't worry. I can't uh, wait about Dave's life. Okay, let's see. Um, Adam, you really didn't want, didn't tune into anything. Been a busy guy, huh? 
Oh, no, I, I saw some stuff. Uh, I watched an old Australian horror movie called Patrick, which hmm. is a very an inventive movie for the lack of special effects they had back then, that what everything you- had to be practical. And the movie is basically about a man who's like an invalid and maybe brain dead that has the ability to manipulate his environment. So maybe oh, wait, he is, isn't it, is that on all... Shutter? He's like, it's a yeah. psychic killer, right? Yeah. 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 It, that, that, and I think that was interesting. That's worth watching. But uh, in, in keeping with uh, good feeling type movies, uh, <laughs> thanks to uh, Dave, I saw Happy, Happy, Joy, Joy which is documentary about Ren and Stempy and its creation Aww. and stuff. And I that, thought that's actually a good feel good movie until the last 15. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, <laughs> Dave, so I was like, Oh, this will the be look great. on, you know what though? The look on Dave's because face, you gotta watch out how yourself. he got to see that. No, we'll know what I'm talking about. Uh, yeah. no, I just thought like, cause Dave sent Nick or no, sorry. Dave sent Adam, not Nick. They've sent Adam a device. <laughs> the device is locked in to all the stuff. And Can Adam's you explain like, what that hey. is? Because when you just say device. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, one, of those, one of those cable boxes that has all the channels for free. Uh, no, it's a Roku thing. It's like a you know a thing to play apps and TV stuff. And so Is that the Android kind one? Of it's X. Oh, I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Anyway. So, so, anyway, I yeah, thought it. Because it had happy and another happy and a joy and another joy that uh it would be a feel-good experience and for the most part it was but yeah so dave you're worried that you don't want people to know your side hustle of selling the sex toys we can't you can't bring that up on the on the show <laughs> yeah find it on the links page yeah, right. yeah exactly special <laughs> offer this week folks 20 percent <laughs> off okay. uh let's see Oh, what did I watch? Do you guys ever watch that show, Ugly Americans, where the social worker is trying to integrate a like a bunch show. of monsters into regular society? No. And a, a drunk wizard is like his co-worker, and it's like office-style stuff. It's pretty cool. Um, he like has an affair with a demon who's like turns out to be like the devil's daughter, and he has to go down to hell and have like an awkward dinner with him. So he's going down on this really <laughs> no. long escalator into hell, and <laughs> it, like they get really that offended when great. he says like we're all trying to get along, and then everybody at dinner like stops and looks at him like who's this guy? Um, it's pretty good, and his roommate's like a zombie that keeps trying to fight the urge to eat him in the middle of the night, right? Like at one point he, ru- <laughs> he at one point he he gives him rufalin, and then so the zombie roommate has to call his like AA sponsor and be like, dude, I'm staring at my roommate, I really want to eat his brain. And then the guy on the other <laughs> line, he's like, he's like, what are you doing? Are you getting are you getting like excited by what I'm telling you? Like, it's, <laughs> it's pretty good. It's really funny. Um, uh, Ugly American. Only two the main seasons. character's name like Lily White because he's like the whitest character in the world. Oh, I forget what his name is. It's like Mark or Steve or something. It's pretty pretty plain. But um, I thought it was. You watch that on. Uh, it's on the CBS All Access. Has a bunch of the old Comedy Central stuff, and all the Reno 911s, the old Reno 911s. So, and Boobs and Butthead. Uh, the other, oh, the other thing I watched was Mando season two just dropped. Mandalorian season two just dropped. It's got one episode. Oh, I've been, I've been wondering. I haven't watched it yet. I, I'm not spoiling it. I'm just gonna say this: like the Mandalorian <laughs> Wait, adventures. They, doing week by week. I'm not gonna is, spoil it. I'm just gonna spoil. I'm it. not gonna spoil <laughs> it. But the Mandalorian, I think, I think that um, John Favreau, who created it, does most of the writing. Pops in every once in a while to do like the season openers and the closers, and is like overseeing the whole arc of the Star Wars Mandalorian series on Disney Plus. He must have watched westerns 
TV shows like Gunsmoke. Essentially, and, and I was trying to write this with Dave a few years ago. We were trying to write like an outer space podcast, you know, like a fictional podcast. But it was going to be like a marshal in outer space. Like essentially, that's what the Mandalorian's doing. Like he there's a town with a problem. He's got to solve that problem. And then he also has like his other story going on, you know, in the background. But it's like a town has a problem. He goes to the town, solves the problem, moves on to the next town. It's a, it's like, it is good. Every week it does that, right? Every week. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that's making me mad is like, as a streamer, they're not doing the binge watch thing where they're releasing all the episodes. They make you literally stay at the hip. No, they did. Yeah. Or they do I, I'm sorry, but I'm kind of agreeing with that because it stretches out the suspense of a show. Um, I agree. It makes me more interesting. Like people, they just did that with the boys and they got a lot of backlash, but he's like, um, you know, hey, this is how TV was seven years ago. Deal with it. Yeah. Well, so you he's, like he's that model. You, you like that make. model where they, they're just giving you breadcrumbs. He's like, you don't want all the, give me everything now and let me consume it on my own. I, like I, I tend to feel like I get more into it if I have to watch it week by week oh, or if I do it once. Within like eight hours, then I'm just done. And a week later, I'm like, oh, what, what show did I watch again? Actually, oh, gosh. now that I think about it, that's our model, too. We want everybody to listen and watch every week. Yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah, every so week. You can listen to the, the old ones and binge. If if you're behind the times, you can binge. Yeah. But when, like, let's say you have 10 frozen cheeseburgers. Do you put mm. them all in the microwave at once and consume all of them? Or do you, you know, you eat one a day? I'd feel pretty sick after that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although I know I want to tie something John just said, even though we're way past Sean Connery, just to slip in another movie. John said Air or Marshall in Space, and Sean Connery was an Air Marshal in, or Marshall in Space. <laughs> Check yes. that movie out. Great movie, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Great movie. He's not Didn't only the villain have like syphilis what? or something. Well, he was going around like killing space hookers. Like, no yeah, lie, they were was, space hookers. No, it was. Yeah, it was killing like, <laughs> Yeah. It was like a crazy space weird, serial yeah. killer cop movie but it was based on western style western stuff too wasn't it i think so yeah like, it was basically exactly. like i think he called it like high noon in space or something like space. that yeah it was yeah. yeah well we could be here all night talking about sean connery but we hope yeah. you felt good while you listened or watched this episode binge watchers will be back next week with another feel-good movie we're actually kicking it to our boy double a adam what is our selection for next week's feel-good movie we're going to be watching a Taika Waititi movie who brought you some pretty amazing things. Uh, Thor Ragnarok. Uh, he brought us uh, um, other films. What are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm blanking. What, what is it? Yeah. Jojo Rabbit? You literally yeah, could have just told him what to watch for next week. Yeah, Hunt for the Wilderbeast. Actually, I could have ruined it for you. I'm sorry. I don't know. Yeah. Is it called Hunt for the Wilderbeast or Hunt for the Wilder People? What is the name? What is Hunt the name? Hunt for the Wilder People, not Hunt for the Hunt for the, Hunt wilder, for the people. wilder Beast. Oh, yeah. nice. No, it's about uh, you know a troubled kid that has that had that gets a bond with his like his stepdad and, and they get lost in the bush together. And it's a really sweet movie. It has so many good good feels. It's the uh, and, it's uh, the kid from Deadpool too. The kid yeah, who has the fireball powers from Deadpool 2? He Dude, played the Adam, kid in this movie. Adam, good pick. I, I, it, this I, is a I, good I, pick. I've been this wanting to watch movie. this, so I, I, I have no idea what... I've heard it's great, so I, I can't wait to watch it, actually. That's a really good pick. I've heard yeah. good things. Go into it, not really uh, knowing what to expect. It's I didn't know what to expect. Somebody just told me to watch it, and I watched it, and, and I couldn't wait to show it to someone else. And then I, and I watched it with someone else, and then watching it with someone else. 
And now I'm going to watch it again. I'm excited to watch it with you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Nick, take us out. Yo, everything got real. It was a good show. I can't wait to watch uh, Life of the Wilderbeast next week. Uh, (laughs) Stuff got real. (laughs) (laughs) We'll do a title correct. I I, I had to ruin that title. I'm sorry. Life of the Wilderbeast. (laughs) (laughs) Beast of the Southern Wild. Oh, man. You set it up. Thank you. Nice.